Okay. Shalom, everybody. Please excuse me in this uh, open attire. I normally have a Bekishah and everything, but it's just too hot in America. You guys are nuts. I know you guys live here. Woo! Yerushalayim is called Yefeh Nof Mesos Kol Haaretz. Yerushalayim has a special air that it's cool at night. Cool and air, but it's not Nebrak. In any event, Bezat Hashem, we're going to go into a few things tonight. And the highlight, in my opinion, will be the very end. We're going to present what's called the 40-day challenge in Rabbi Nachman's lesson number 24. Before that, we're going to start off with an amazing Gemara that everybody knows and the deep interpretation of the Maggid of Mizrich. The Gemara is in Masechet Shabbat. There's a famous Gemara, you guys probably know the story, of the convert who came before Shammai. And he, the Gemara says, he illustrated, he stood on one foot and he told Shammai, the Tzaddik Shammai, I want you to convert me on condition before I fall. I said, I can't do it, I'm too heavy. But, you know, can, can convert me on condition that I, be, that I don't fall. Before I fall, convert me. So Shammai, the Gemara says, threw him a stick. And the Gemara goes out of its way to tell us what type of stick. It's called Amat Binyan. A builder's stick, which is like a metric stick, you know, to measure the straightness and the curvature of the building, whatever. So the Gemara tells us what type of a stick Shammai threw at the convert, as if to say, what do you understand from that? Get out of here. What do you mean? Tell the whole Torah before I fall on one, on one. Teach me the whole Torah while standing on one foot. What is this? He threw him a stick, as if to say, go, go out, get, get out of here. I'm not going to do that. The convert wasn't convinced. He didn't accept, obviously. He went to Hillel. Okay? Hillel... The Gemara says like this, he said to him one sentence. He says, you want the whole Torah while standing on one foot? As, like, in other words, in one phrase, it's very simple. Whatever you wouldn't do to yourself, don't do to others. Rashi on the spot says, in other words, like what Rabbi Akiva said, right? love your neighbor as yourself. Fine. So the Magid of Mizrach asks the following. He says, why, did, why does the convert have to illustrate, why does the Gemara say that he illustrated standing on one foot? He could have, the, the, the convert said, teach me the whole Torah in one phrase. Why also illustrate? Why also the Gemara says, yes, he's standing on one foot. <laughs> Number two, why does the Gemara tell us what type of a stick Shammai threw at the convert? What, Shammai was like in the middle of building his sukkah, whatever, and he came and he's throwing this, Amata uh, Binyan. Number three, Fine and dandy, Hillel's answer, you know, love, harmony. It sounds like the hippies. It sounds like, you know, something very, very admirable. But the Torah is vast. The Torah is humongous. Wow, the noise. The Torah is big. The whole Torah is in that one phrase, love your neighbors yourself. If you know how big the Torah is, how big the Talmud is, there's Talmud Bavli, Talmud Yerushalmi, there's the Midrash, there's the Zohar, there's the whole Tanakh. Okay, there's the Kabbalah, there's all the Rishonim, Achornim, and it doesn't end, and then, 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 then. All that is, is just in love your neighbor as yourself. How? What's the, what's the connection? So the Magid Mizrit says something unbelievable. He says, the convert knew that Judaism is the truth. That's the Emmet. But he couldn't accept one factor. What factor? That a Jew has to go through tons of ups and downs in life. That Judaism is not just, okay, everything's party, everything's fine and dandy, and just going up and up and up and up. Every Jew 
has major setbacks. They say in Yiddish like this. They say one day a person is a malach, an angel, and the next day he's like a galach. A galach is a priest. <laughs> Ping pong. One day a person, he's having a high, an amazing Shabbat, an amazing davening, an amazing feeling of connection to Hashem. person goes to the Hilula of this study, goes to Meron, whatever, and he has such a high. And then, overdose, he has a crash, boom. And then it's like that. One day, you get up on time, you feel great, the work is amazing, people were nice to you at work, the bus driver was nice, everything. The next day, you slip, you break your heel, and then you pop the zit, whatever, all these funny things. And, and at work, they made fun of you, this and that. You feel like garbage one day. And it's like that in the life of everybody, but especially as a Jew. We have highs and downs. The convert was saying, I want to convert on condition, I don't fall. Before I fall, convert me. No downs. Shammai threw at the convert a builder stick. Rashi explains the builder stick, it's kind of difficult to understand this. But because of the curvature of the world, no building that you build, no mansion, no, no 50-story building you build, is exactly 100% accurate on the dot on the millimeter. Whenever you have a building, it'll be or a little bit to the right, or a little bit to the left, ending at exact measurement. So Shammai was hinting to the, to the convert, I'm sorry, that's how life is. Sometimes it's to the right, which is chesed, good, things are advancing, things are nice, and sometimes it's to the left, where it's down and difficult and dinim. So Shammai, by throwing the stick, he wasn't like kicking him, kicking him out like we understand on the simple meaning. He was trying to say, listen, if you don't accept the downs, I can't convert you. This is part of life. This is part of a, the ascent of a Jew. Okay? He wasn't satisfied. He went to Hillel. Hillel was able to explain to him the benefits of having setbacks and downs in life, which we're going to go into tonight. The whole purpose of this class is to go into this idea how the setbacks and the bounces back in life is what builds a person more than anything else. But first, back to this story. The Magid explains, based on the writings of the Arizal, the Kabbalah, what is the secret behind a convert? And by extension, a Baal Why is it that a person, he was brought up as a Goy, and only 22 years later, on September 13th, whatever, at 4 o'clock, boom, he woke up. Why did he specifically wake up now? About Shuva, the same thing. The person was brought up non-religious, and then one day something happened and he woke up. What woke him up? What was the wake-up cause? So the Magid goes into what Hila was trying to tell the convert of love your neighbor as yourself. How does it work as a Jew? A Jew is like in a trampoline. How does a trampoline work? When you go down, let's say, to minus five, let's say in levels, okay, minus five of sea level, whatever. You go down minus five, and the trampoline, you go up now plus five. And then, because of the push of up of plus five, you now go back down minus six. But now you go back up plus six. So that you de the deeper you go, the higher you go, the gravity pull makes you go now deeper. So now it's minus seven. And then it's up to plus seven. Okay? The deeper you go, the higher you go. That's how it is in Judaism. Kol gadol mechavero. Whoever is higher, he has a stronger test. So don't think the big tzaddikim, ah, when you see the Chafetz Chaim's face and he's smiling, ah, he was born a tzaddik, everything was good. No, they worked hard. They worked hard and they have challenges more than you. The thing is, because of their high level, they're able to face their challenges. The Gemara says, if we were given for one second the Yetzar of the tzaddikim, we would melt on the spot. 
but the, that, what's, the, what's the thing? If they're holding at a level, they can support like 500 tons and not crack under it. Us, we take their weight, we just fall underneath it, okay? So the way of, the way of life is, the higher you go, yes, the lower you go. So most people say, don't give me this. There's an expression in the, in the Torah, lo mi velo mi if that's how life is, I don't want the honey and I don't want the sting. Don't, don't give me anything. Let me live with that. Let me be dead. But we know already the famous analogy that when someone's in the hospital, right? Beep, 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 beep. He's alive. How long is he alive? When it's going up and down. When, when is he dead? Eh, right? A dead Jew is eh, and you're dead. Spiritually, physically, whatever. Okay? The way of a Jew is up and down. But why? Like What, what, what happens? What's the benefit? So this is where Hillel comes into place. You have souls which are called sleepy souls. Whether it's converts. What is a convert, by the way? Darizal explains. The convert, when he converts, he's called Ben Avram Avinu, Ben Sarah Emenu. Why? Because he's really a Jewish neshama. Just, he came back in reincarnation. In a test, he has to come back in the body of a goy. And his challenge is to break free from this, this concealment, this major test, and to wake up. Same thing for Baal Tshuva. He's born not religious. It wasn't his choice. He's brought in this type of surrounding and family and everything. But his mission is to wake up. So there are sleepy souls. How do you wake them up? How do you wake up a sleepy soul? So when you have, like take a Shimon in Bnei Brak, a simple Jew, and he's struggling to serve Hashem. One day, like I said, he's a malach, he's an angel. Next day, he's like a galach, he's a priest. Up and down, up and down. And it's a trampoline. The higher he goes, the lower he goes, but the higher he goes afterwards, but again the lower he goes. What happens when a Jew goes up and down, up and down, he goes deeper and deeper. He reaches levels, minus 100, minus 500, where there are what's called the dormant souls, sleepy souls. So when this Shimon goes to, let's say, minus 500 or minus 1000, and the soul of these converts are sleeping at minus 1000, so when Shimon goes down to minus 1,000 or minus 5,000, whatever it is, his light, which he contains in him, proof being, he gets back up. He gets back up afterwards. So he has the potential light with him. When he goes down to minus 1,000, minus 5,000, he wakes up all the neshamo that are sleeping there. And then when he goes back up, he pulls them up with him. This is amazing. I'm having goosebumps. This is what Hillel said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why are you coming to me now? Hila was talking, this is the Magid explaining. Why are you, this convert, coming to me now? You didn't come last year or two years ago. Because there's a Jew right now somewhere in the world who's struggling to serve Hashem up and down, up and down, going higher, going lower, going higher, going lower. And he reached your level and he woke you up. And when he went back up, he pulled you up. That is the greatest, that's the greatest love your neighbor yourself. So just as somebody else helped you to wake up, because of his downs, so too, as a Jew, you have to understand that the downs will benefit somebody else. Okay? This is how the Magid opens up this unbelievable Gemara that we've all heard many times, showing the positive effect of a descent. Rabbi Nachman goes even a step further. He says like this. We'll give the analogy of the whole lesson to get to the point. The starting point of every Jew when a person wants to begin to serve Hashem, whether it's on a daily basis, whether it's a new change in their life, whether it's on a new month, like for example, we have Elul, Elul's coming up, Tishrei, so many people, they say, I want to make a fresh start in Slichot, I want to make a fresh start in Tshuva, I want to make a fresh start, okay? 
When a person begins, the starting point is under the earth. It's called in the klipot, in the husks. Okay? We start off low. Because that's how it is. We were sent into this world, the Arizal explains, to, to do what's called collecting holy sparks, holiness. The job of every Jew, every time you do a mitzvah, the mitzvah is the secret connector of this world to the future world. Look at the word mitzvah itself. Mitzvah is mem, tzaddik, vav hey. The vav hey of mitzvah is the same vav hey as yudke, vav hey, vav ke, okay? What's mem tzaddik? Mem tzaddik, there's a type of gematria, there's a type of uh, conversion of Hebrew letters called atbash. Atbash is you take the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and you fold them. So Aleph corresponds to the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's Aleph, Tav, At. Bet is the second last letter. Shin, Gimel is the Resh. Okay, you fold them. Because exactly 22 letters, you fold them. So you have a correspondence. Mem, in this format of the folding, Mem is Yud, from Hashem's Yud Kevavke. And the Tzadik is the He, from Yud Kevavke. What is a mitzvah? It's really an in-between interface of this world which is represented in the Vavke, of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, the Vavke is called the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, which is God's presence and holiness, holiness which is trapped, the holy sparks that are here in this world, they're represented by the Vavke of Mitzvah, okay? Our job, by doing any Mitzvah, is to reconnect it, but still it's in hidden format, because it's a world. The world in Hebrew is called Olam. Olam, in, in grammar, is from the word Ha'alama, a concealment. This world in itself conceals God. Do you see God here? I don't see God. I believe that God is behind everything. But what I see, I don't see Hashem directly. I, my Ibuna, I see, I, I hear the crickets. I see Hashem. Hashem. I see the beautiful trees. I see human beings. I see what people can do. I see a nice swimming pool. Okay? I see what can happen in this world. Because of Ibuna, I see Hashem. But in itself, you don't see anything. That's the room of atheism. The room for free will to choose not to see is because of a lack of emuna. But the emuna does the job to see clearly Bezat Hashem. Okay? So now, the mitzvot are the connectors. Our job in doing mitzvot is to connect the holiness trapped in this world, which is Vavei, to bring it back to Hashem. Okay? But there's a problem. When a Jew does not do the mitzvot with joy, with simcha, even though he's doing mitzvot, the mitzvot stay down. They don't go up. They stay down. They need a push up. Simcha, the Torah teaches us, is the backbone of the entire Torah. Where do we see that from? Coming up, Parshat Kitavo. Right before Rosh Hashanah, we have Parshat Kitavo. And in there, there's 98 curses. This, that, terrible things. You're going to eat your children. <laughs> Scary things, disgusting things that shake you up. And it says there, and all these curses will come upon you, Tachat Asher, Lo Avadetem, Et Hashem Elokechem, Besimcha Uftuv Levav. All this will come upon you because you didn't serve Hashem with joy, through joy and a good heart. The verse doesn't say, all this is happening because you didn't serve Hashem. No, it didn't say that. Even they think, oh, you don't do a mitzvah, you're going to burn, you're going to burn. No, the Torah is saying, when are you going to burn? When you didn't do it Besimcha, when you were down. When you did a mitzvah, like, eh. when you did a b'simcha, it stays down. You don't, you don't do the job of elevation. Simcha is the key to lift up things. Because of that, because the evil side knows that, 
the main job of the Yetzirah, more than anything else, the goal of everything, the goal of suffering, the goal of problems in Shalom Bayit, the goals of not finding your Shidduch, and having problems having children, and the problems of the children, and problems in education, and a person that has addiction problems, and he has internet problems, and all these challenges and issues, 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 the goal of everything is to get a person to be down. Because if you see that, that's what happens. When a person says, the person starts off happy and joyous in life, and then this happens and that and this, and what is the result? Sadness. When you think about it, if you take a look, all the goal of suffering and misery and everything is that it makes a person feel down. Because the goal of everything is to get a person to be happy. That's the thing, that's the key. Okay? So, the idea is how to be besimcha. That's the key. Because th if that's the most important thing, simcha is needed. So just let's see what happens. When a person does serve Hashem besimcha, okay, the mitzvot go up. In Hasidic books, they write something amazing. They say, greater than doing the mitzvah itself is the simcha behind the mitzvah. For example, you could do the mitzvah of tefillin, and then we do the mitzvah of tefillin with major joy. That joy is, is the goal of the tefillin. The goal of Shabbat, the goal of Yom Kippur, the goal of the Sukkah, the Tzitzit and everything, Kashrut and Brachot, is to get to that Simcha. If that's the goal there, Vezat Hashem. Now when a Jew, we'll go into this eventually, about getting to Simcha. When a Jew serves Hashem be Simcha, he now crosses a pro propeller. He now is in motion upwards. And he goes up and up and up until he hits what's called a barrier. The barrier pushes the person back down, okay? This is where most people fall in life. This simcha that we just mentioned dresses itself up for every person in a different format. For example, you take a teenager who now is beginning his life, he just graduated, she has his future ahead and he's going to university, right? He has good ambitions, everyone's happy, the parents are happy, but then there's a setback here, a setback there, okay? He started off, with simcha, because the point is, in life, you cannot do anything if it's to open a business, to start a new career, Recording to do such a progress. Oh boy, sorry about that. To do a commitment and an advancement, you need simcha to push you forward. If you don't have simcha, you can't do anything. A person will be depressed, depressed and sitting in bed all day. Simcha is what gets a person to do something. When a person gets out of bed in the morning to daven, it's only because he's happy about it person is not happy, oh, I'll have to put my tefillah on again, everything, he won't get up. He'll wake up at the last minute, right before the end of the, this month, to it to wake up. Simcha is the key to get things moving in life, for everybody, okay? But what happens, and happens to everybody, is there's a bounce. Why is there a bounce back? Let me just go. Like the convert, the convert said to Shammai, I want only up, I don't want to go down. Why? Why the down? Okay, to help other people, like we just explained. But still, why is that necessary? Why can't Judaism and life be an ascent after an ascent? That's what we expect, by the way. When we start something in life, we expect things to go good, we plan things to be good, but we know very well in life that that's not the case. We know very well in life that there are setbacks. And the setbacks break most people. The majority of people, when they have that bounce back, that's what breaks them. Here, Rabbi Nachman teaches something amazing. If you start on the right foot, okay, which is starting with simcha, which means what? Valuing every step forward, 
recognizing that it's a gift from Hashem, in other words, giving thanks, hoda'a, when you recognize, I don't deserve this, this is a gift from God, and it's an advancement, and I respect it, and I say thank you, so such a person, when they get hit like everybody else gets hit, because his ascent was done properly with the right joy, when he goes down, he doesn't crash. Another person now, who just took advantage, and when there's like a green light, okay, let's just gobble up everything and let's go advance, such a person, when he gets the smash and the, and the, and the bounce back, he does crash. Because his ascent wasn't out of step-by-step -step gratitude, recognition, humility. It was out of, I deserve this. I am doing this, I'm advancing. So this, Rabbi Nachman teaches, is the secret of having the crash back. We still didn't answer though, why do I need that? So he says something phenomenal. Everything that pushes a person in life forward, you need joy, right? Like we said. But what is driving you to go forward in life? It's what's called light. You see light at a tunnel. You see a goal. I have a direction now. I want to advance in this direction. You see a light shining to whatever it is, even if it's in the spiritual world, even in the physical world. You have a light shining to you, showing you this is the, this is the right thing to do. This is a great thing to do, and I want to go in this direction. Where is this light coming from? Take a look at the word oh, light. Light is gematria, aleph is one. Vav is six. Okay, that's seven. And Reish is 200, 207. 207 is the exact same gematria, numerical value of the word Ein Sof. Ein Sof. Take, like, I'm not going to do the cheshbon now. It takes much time. We don't know math anymore. We need computers, right? So Aleph is one. Yud is 10. Nun is 50. Keep that in mind. Samech is 60. Vav is 6. Pei is 80. 207. Meaning what? Any light that anybody experiences in this world comes from what's called the infinite light. Infinite light means Hashem Himself. But Hashem is intangible. Hashem is unaccessible. So what that means, if a Jew is having a spiritual light, a spiritual high in his life, up and up and up and up, if he just continues like that, he's going to disappear. He's going to disintegrate. And Hashem doesn't want that. Hashem's greatness is then it's such a concealment of this world, this olam, this ha'alama, this concealment, yet He will be revealed, 180 degrees. It's a world where you don't see Hashem, but Hashem's greatness is that a physical human being who can connect Hashem's light in this physical world can see Hashem, right? I see God, I see God everywhere. When a Jew sees a tree, he hears the crickets, he sees the birds. You're just amazed when you see human beings, society, what's happening in the world. The eyes of a Jew who believes sees Hashem. That's because it's the infinite light shining in the world. But it's the opposite. The other person who has just this world doesn't see that. Okay? So now, Hashem wants us to continue being in this world and recognizing. That for Hashem is the greatest accomplishment. The Gemara says, for example, that when Mashiach comes... The only festival that will continue to exist is Purim. No more Pesach, no more Sukkot, no more Shavuot, because everything is what? Commemorating what? Zecher, Litziat Mitzrayim. Everything commemorates leaving Egypt. But the miracle that's going to take place when Mashiach comes is going to be millions of times greater than leaving Egypt. Why? Leaving Egypt were open miracles, the splitting of the Red Sea, the ten plagues. Who's not going to believe? When you see a supernatural event, for sure you're going to believe. The greatest miracle, which is the miracle of Purim, of Esther and Mordechai, for example, is that from the nature itself, 
from the coincidences, the timing that Haman came and Achashverosh and he couldn't sleep and Mordechai and hearing this and the timing, wow, I see Hashem through that. When from the, nat- the nature you see Hashem, for Hashem that's a greatest, the greater accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment is that from such a physical concealment, Hashem is revealed. For Hashem that's the biggest thing, that's the miracle of Purim, that's what's going to be in the future, Bezat Hashem. This is the greatest thing. Hashem wants that, that we're in a physical existence and yet reach the highest levels of perception. So what does Hashem do? When Hashem sees each person according to their level, they're about to go above their level, there's what's called a bounce. The bounce pushes them back. Their attitude, like we said, how they take the bounce back, if they take it positively, which means b'simcha, with joy, because their ascent was done properly, they recognize everything is a gift, Thank you, Hashem. I'm full of gratitude. I don't deserve this. I have humility escorting me at every stage. When that person gets bounced back, he accepts it with joy. If the person does accept it with joy, he's able to perceive the infinite light yet in a physical existence that even if he were to learn Torah for a million years to learn Gemara and Poskim and Shulchan Aruch and Zohar and Kabbalah, he will not perceive these ideas. In the world, this is understood. Like they say, for example, in the halacha, we see an old Gentile even, an old goy. Halacha says you have to respect him. We see like an elderly man walk in, and he's not Jewish. There is in halacha that you stand up for him, even though he's a goy. Why? What does it say in the halacha? Because he went through what he went through, and he's still standing on his feet. He's still around. He deserves all the respect. Why? What's the idea? What builds a person more than anything else is experience. That a person went through challenges and he survived them. The learning, the musa, the, the understanding, the depth, what's called the havana, the understanding that comes through life's experience is greater than if a person will sit down and learn Torah all day. That doesn't mean, so if that's the case, not learn, let's face challenges. No. The Torah you learn prepares you more and more to receive and understand these messages. The more you learn it in the Torah, the more when you're bounced back and you take it positively, you perceive things much, much greater. This is called, what Rabbi Nachman calls, perceiving the infinite light in a format called in the Kabbalah, matei velamatei, reaching and not reaching, okay? This is the secret for Hatzlacha. You can have a Jew that he's bounced back, but because he accepted it properly, He's able to understand things that even the greatest scholars who don't go through that because they're happy with status quo, they're happy with being comfortable, and they don't want to wake up. I'll give you just a story to express this idea. There was a Jew, his name was Rav Nachum. He didn't know anything. He only knew how to read the, the alphabet and to say the words of the tefillah. He didn't know how to learn Mishnah, nothing. And he hooked up to some Hasidim who taught him the concept of getting up at midnight to cry over the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. So he started doing that. He woke up every night at midnight. He would go to the local Beit Midrash, the synagogue. He would go to the women's section and would sit on the floor. And he had no idea what he's saying. He's just reading the words of what's called Tikkun Chatzot, the midnight lament. And he'd be crying. He doesn't know what he's saying. In that same synagogue, the Beit Midrash, there are a group of Tamidei Chachamim, big shots, big Tamidei Chachamim who were learning all day into the night up to midnight, so that when they were leaving to go home, they saw this Rav Nachum coming in. So they're wondering, what's this, what's this guy coming in the middle of the night to the, to the Beit Midrash? What's going on here? So they, they, fought, they were observing him, seeing what he's doing. They saw he went to the women's section, and he's sitting on the floor, 
and he's crying over Tikkun Chatzot. They said to themselves, wait a second, who does Tikkun Chatzot today? Only big tzaddikim, babasali, and stuff like that. Only big tzaddikim do big tikkun chatzot. Which average Jew is willing to wake up in the middle of the night? You know, they, they're tired from work, whatever. They wake up in the middle of the night to, to cry over the Beit HaMikdash. Who does that? Who does that? So they were like shocked. This guy, he doesn't even know how to learn Torah basics, and he's already getting up for the Beit HaMikdash. Come on. So they couldn't hold themselves. They went to him. They said, Rav Nachum, what are you doing? What are you doing, this devotion of tikkun chatzot, which is for like big tzaddikim? Why don't you instead just start to learn basics of the Torah instead of spending your time on this? So he said to them like this. He said, listen to what you guys are telling me. You guys have everything. You guys are all tamidei chachamim. You learn all day, into the night. You know the Torah inside out. You guys don't need the Beit HaMikdash. Me, like you said, I don't even know how to read Hebrew. I don't know how to the simple words. I have absolutely nothing in life. I need the Beit HaMikdash. They heard this. They received such a zets, such a, a lightning bolt. They woke up, they said, wait a second. What's he telling us? We don't need the Beit HaMikdash. Wait a second. Do we really feel like that? Yes. We're comfortable. We have everything taken care of. We're able to learn all day. I don't have to go to work. Uh, my, my, my in-laws, he's supporting me. I'm learning all day. Everything is just fine and dandy. I'm learning Gemara and Poskim and everything. All the meat of the Torah I'm learning all day into the night. I have it great. Why do I need Mashiach? Why do I need... I'm thinking like that? If I reach the level where I'm thinking like that, then there's something wrong with my hashkafa. There's, I have something wrong. I'm missing some nuts and bolts in my perspective of Judaism. If now I reach the point where I'm comfortable, I don't miss the Beit HaMikdash, I'm in the wrong address. I got something wrong here. They woke up. He said something from experience. He said something which was such a truth. I need the Beit HaMikdash. I have nothing. So he's doing a devotion which you would think, ah, it's for tzaddikim and this and that. But he felt it. So going back to what we said, experience what a person has setbacks and what seems to be failures are the biggest opportunities to advance. Therefore, when a person goes through setbacks, if the person is sincere and honest and his advance was done out of pure joy, this person can be confident that when he does face the setback, he'll take it properly. And when he does take it properly, he will perceive things that he never imagined. Rav Nosen, Rav Nosen, Rabbi Natan, was the main disciple of Rabbi Nachman. He takes this idea and he opens up a giant world that if psychologists would, would see this, they would just drop everything and run to this. Rav Nosen says like this, so I'll say Rabbi Natan, sorry. He says there's a verse from Yeshayahu. We read it a few times on Tisha B'Av and also in the Haftarot now, since Tisha B'Av until Rosh Hashanah, we have seven Shabbatot, and they're called Zayin de Nechamata, the seven Shabbatot of consolation. We see one of them is a Haftarah from Isaiah, Yeshayahu, and this Pasuk comes up. Ki besimcha tetzeu. Okay, what's the, what's, the, what's the translation, what is the meaning? Out of, through joy, you will come out. In what reference? The Pasuk there is saying that when Mashiach comes... And when it's finally the time to come back, the Jews will come back with joy. Ki besimcha, with joy the Jews will come back. Rabbi Natan opens up a new perspective. And he says, you don't have to just read it that with joy you're going to come back. You can also read the verse, ki besimcha, through joy you will come out. Come out of what? It's not just a future redemption. 
whenever a person is faced with a challenge and he sees no opening at all and everybody tells him it's over x x this marriage is over this person's diagnosis is over this child is over this everything's over my my i'm trying 50 years to try to lose weight and it's not working it's over but when a person has x's in his challenges right i can make an opening how with joy I can leave what? anytime I'm stuck in my life if now what happens normally when people face a trauma a traumatic like this word is so common today I'm under trauma I'm trying I have issues with trauma okay when a person is facing a traumatic situation right the more they think about it the more they get sucked into the worry and the panic and oh my god the phobias what's the solution? The solution is not to focus on it. To first of all go elsewhere, build up joy, even if it's fake, fake joy, but to build up a positive attitude, not to run away from the problem, but to build enough simcha, now I can face the challenge. What happens when that person does that? Is that all of a sudden, opportunities that didn't exist before pop up. A phone call, a this, a friend, you know this happened? And all of a sudden, openings that were not there in the first place opened up. Why? Because the person's positive attitude opened it up. The simcha. Ki be simcha Okay? This is what Rabbi Nachman opens us to us. That simcha, number one, is the key for starting in life. And dependent how much you work on joy, believe it or not, a Jew should invest 90% of his energy you know, some people, they say, I have to work on Shemrat HaLashon, I have to work on more of this, I have to work on more Yer Chamaim. The one area that every Jew should work on the most, believe it or not, is on Simcha. Because again, the Torah said, all the punishments in life, which means you will eventually fall off because you weren't Simcha. So if that's the case, I will do my best to work on this attitude of Simcha. With this, if a person now starts with Simcha properly on the right footing, so whenever they face any type of test in life, they know how to take it properly. They take it properly, and by taking it properly, they perceive what's called the infinite light. Even though they're physical, each person, like the Zohar says, each person according commensurate to how his heart is opened up, he perceives. But all this is through Simcha. Okay, this was a pre preparation for the next stage. I want to get to now what's called the 40-day challenge. I present to you what's called the 40-day challenge in lesson 24. Everything we spoke about right now, these past 40, 45 minutes, it's been 45 minutes, right? Is taken, we'll have questions soon, is taken from Rabbi Nachman's lesson in his book. He has a book called the Likute Moran, lesson number 24. Everything I brought down is based on this lesson and in the commentaries on the lesson. The book by Rabbi Nachman called Likute Moran is a very unique book. What's so unique about it? There's many books in the Torah, okay? What sticks out about this book is that as you learn it, you begin to activate it. It's something phenomenal. That when learning these teachings of the Torah, it's not like, for example, learning Gemara or Mishnah or Chumash. Everything in the Torah has messages directly to you. But you need eyes to see it. Like the Pasuk says in Tehillim, we say this every Shabbat morning, Ene Hashem El Tzadikim where the simple translation is, Hashem's eyes are upon the tzaddikim to protect them. There's a different reading. Ene Hashem, Hashem's eyes, which are x-ray eyes, the eyes of Hashem that can pierce and see right through. 
El Tzadikim. Tzadikim have eyes like that. Tzadikim, when they see a Gemara, they see every, the whole world opening up in front of them in the Gemara. When they see a Pasuk, they see everything in the world connected to the Pasuk. That's a Tzadikim. But how about me? I don't have those eyes. What is Chassidut, and in particular Rabbi Nachman's teachings, is he takes already the highest possible levels, brings it to you, so automatically, when learning them, you be, your eyes begin to open up, and you see things in life changing in respect to that. However, it's not enough. That's not enough. It's like, for example, a person has a type of a, a, a medical issue. And the medicine costs $500. It's a type of a cream, and he has an infection on his right elbow, or left elbow, let's say, okay? So he worked hard to finally get the ointment, 500 bucks, and finally bought it. He has it. Okay, I have, I have the medication, I have the cure. But stupid guy, if you don't apply it to the elbow, it doesn't help. So activating, Rabbi Nachman's teachings activate in life. For example, we spoke about Simcha tonight. This lesson, learning it over and again, activates the Simcha that we're talking about. But I want it to be directed in specific areas of my life. For this, there is a second book called Likutei Tfilot. To explain, before I explain what Likutei Tfilot is, I have to explain first. In the Torah, we have what's called the five books of Moshe, the Chumash, okay? The Gemara teaches, King David wrote the five books of Tehillim to correspond the five books of the Chumash. What does that mean? That King David, in all of his uh, supplications and pleas to Hashem in the five books of Tehillim, they're to fulfill, he's begging Hashem to fulfill what's written in the five books of the Chumash. That's why there's five. They say the five books here correspond to the five books here. There's no other Torah book we have which has prayers based on them except for this book by Rabbi Nachman called Likutei Moran. He has a book called Likutei Tfilot. His disciple, Rabbi Nathan, wrote prayers on these lessons. What happens? When you learn these lessons, you activate them in your life. Okay, it's, it's called Klali. It's general. But I need now to, to direct these healings these spiritual medications in the right area. Rav Nussin, Rabbi Nathan wrote prayers on these concepts to help a person direct these spiritual medications to the right direction. We're presenting to you what's called the 40-day challenge. We have prepared here a PDF with the entire lesson of the Likutei Moran. However, since Likutei Moran is a very deep book which scholars only can understand because Rabbi Nachman, when he presents an idea, he throws in proofs from the Gemara, from the Chumash, from the Zohar, from the Kabbalah, from the Midrash, from everywhere. And a person who's not yet advanced to know the proofs will get lost. Because of that, Rabbi Nachman instructed his disciple, Rabbi Natan, I want you to take all the practical points of every lesson that I gave and arrange the points in the lesson according to practical points. This is what's called in Hebrew the Kitsur Likutei Moran, the abridged Likutei Moran. The same thing applies. Learning these ideas and going over them again and again and again, begin to activate them in your life, okay? We have prepared a PDF file with the entire Lesson 24 on this concept of Simcha, which everybody needs, without excuse. The whole lesson, in English translation also, which is good. To learn Torah in English is, is valid. It does the same job. Hebrew with the English, plus the prayer, Rav Rabinatan's prayer in Hebrew and English, plus a 40-day chart, how to go about doing it. So I challenge all of you, experience a level of prayer, and parts of your neshama 
that you never tapped into. Not like, oh, I'm scared to go there. No. Levels of positive energy that you've never touched in your life because you're not looking there. Let Rabbi Nachman please open you up on these areas. Experience a newer level of connection to Hashem. A newer level of davening that you've never seen. It's not like reading a siddur or tehillim where you don't know what you're saying. Here, you're understanding these are prayers and ideas that you need. And you're finally, for once in your life, opening up yourself to express Hashem what's really in the depths of inside, coming out. And I challenge you, 40-day challenge. Why 40-day? We saw that in last week's parasha in Ekev. Moshe Rabbeinu took 40 days to daven, right? There's 40, 40, and 40. Rashi says the 40 days is what was enough to activate Hashem's forgiveness on Rosh Chodesh Elul. Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, we're starting again. Salach Varecha. Let's now start preparing next 40 days for the second tablets. But the 40 days that we're in now, by the way, until Rosh Chodesh Elul, were the days that Moshe Rabbeinu was davening to activate forgiveness, which he did. So from here, all the Torah farm, when they say the number 40, like our, our, our good friend Gedai Fenster, you guys know Gedai Fenster? Who knows Gedai Fenster? Anyone Gedai? Yeah, very good. Our friend Gedaya has the, what's called the 40-day challenge. It's based on these teachings. So we have prepared a PDF file with the lesson, the prayer, and a Google, uh, another PDF file of the 40-day chart, how, to say, how much to say each day of the lesson and the prayer. And I challenge you, even on Shabbat, yes, take time on Shabbat. When there's languages of Chatat Yaviti, you can skip that on Shabbat. But please give it a chance, okay? Uh, I'll just say it clearly. Uh, or come up to me now. If not, email me. <laughs> it's so funny, we're giving an email in class. Breast of Therapy, B-R-E-S-L-O-V, therapy at gmail.com. Or WhatsApp, 732, it's a Lakewood number, an American number, 732-800-1863. And thank you for your time. And visit Hashem, my wish is that you experience true simcha. Because if we work on simcha, this is what's going to bring Mashiach more than anything else. It's not, oh, we have to do tshuva, we have to do this and that. It's the simcha, which will automatically you want to serve Hashem. When you have kids, for example, who are off the path, why are they off the path? Because they didn't find simcha at their home. My father was always tough at the Shabbos table and everything. You want me to stay on Shabbat like that? I don't need that. We need to inculcate simcha in our lives and in the children, and it spreads. Bezat Hashem. That's the key for our personal salvation and our families and Mashiach's coming. Bezat Hashem. Do questions right now? Questions? Uh, whatever. Did whatever. anyone have any questions for the Rav? Question? Yeah, yeah, you had a question. I'm sorry. Thank you, Rav. Thank you so much for this lesson. I came all the way from Eretzisfel for this, okay? It was for this, yes. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. What if you? I couldn't hear the word. What if you? Okay.
horrible that I did it. So I'm just going to forget about it and be, and be happy. Excellent. Excellent. Rabbi Nachman teaches the Yetzara, his concern is after the sin. He's concerned more of the aftermath, the after effect of the sin, the depression, the ensuing depression and lethargy and being apathetic that people have after doing whatever they did. That's what the Yetzara wants. That's what he's after. That's what he's after. When we say down, it means a person says, well, I'm down here, so I'm going to stay here. I'm taking a vacation. That's I'm staying down here. And yes, yes, when you go down, you get back up and you pretend as if nothing happened. Why? Because if you start fretting over what I did, you'll never get up. So then you're going to say, but that's fake. So when I'm going to do tshuva, there's a time for tshuva. When is there a time for tshuva? When I'm in the right mindset. When I'm what's called in a positive mindset, then I can do tshuva. But don't come to me after running a tshuva and, and feeling guilt when I'm already under the earth. I'm never going to get up. That's also the Yetzirah. Rabbi Nachman says, the Yetzirah doesn't come like, you know, Esav, red, and the weapons, and the, the Nazi insignia. The Yetzirah comes with a nice big strimal, big peyot, long beard. He comes in the Kedusha to bring you down. You didn't do tshuva, you didn't do this, you're doomed, and that's the Yetzara doing it. You got it? Unbelievable. Most people fall from Yerat Shemaim. False Yerat Shemaim, which is used to push them away. There's a book called Reshit Chokhmah. Reshit Chokhmah was written by one of the primary dis disciples of the Ramak, Ramoshe Kordevero. The author of the Reshit Chokhmah, he's buried in Hebron, okay? The book was accepted worldwide by everybody. Sfaradim, Ashkenazim, everybody learns Rashid Chokhmah. What's the book talk about? It talks about all types of punishments for all types of sins, okay? What happens to a person when they put him in the earth? What's the stages of the punishment and everything? It's a very scary book. Rabbi Natan had a son, Rabbi Yitzchak. He told his father like this, whenever I learn this book, Rashid Chokhmah, I get depressed. So Rabbi Natan told his son, the author of the Rashid Chokhmah had no intent at all whatsoever to get you depressed. And if you see, by learning this Torah book, you get depressed, so learn something else. Do something else. Say Tehillim, Lun Chumash. But if it makes you down, don't start saying, well, I have to learn it, it's Torah. Rabbi Nachman once said, for example, just an idea to expand on it, is that when you learn the laws of something which is sad, for example, the laws of mourning, don't spend too much time on it, okay? Because the more you spend time on it, the more it sucks you into negativity. Some people, for example, on Holocaust Day, Yom HaShoah, or Tisha B'Av, they feel it, it's a mitzvah to watch Holocaust videos and to make yourself sad and everything, to identify with the pain of our Jewish nation. What you're actually doing is damaging yourself by making you very sad and depressed and negative. So afterwards, it's very hard to get out of it. There's no mitzvah to be sad, to look for it. Okay? There's not a mitzvah to be sad. I know inside myself, you tell Hashem like this, Hashem, I did not want to sin. I don't want to sin. I want to be a good Jew. You think I wanted to sin, Hashem? I don't want to do that. A person sins, but he regrets it afterwards. What does that show? One second, the person regrets afterwards. What does that show? Did he really want to do it? If he really wanted to do it, why does he regret afterwards? 
the regret afterwards shows that the inner essence, what's called in Yiddish, the pintelayid, the inner essence of the Jew, doesn't want that. If now the person justifies that, you did bad and everything, the Yetzirah won, and he's going to get punished for that sin. The Gemara says, if a person does what's called tshuva out of love, tshuva me'ahava, the sins are transformed into zchuyot, merits. You hear this? This is unbelievable. There's one thing to forgive the sin, and there's another thing to take the sins and turn them to mitzvot. How do you do that? How you take it? Tshuva me'ahava, tshuva out of love, means I want to be positive. I want to be good. I want, I want to be productive. I don't want to be negative. And Hashem, I want to show you that I want to be like that. I'm going to get up. I'm going to start again and pretend like nothing happened. When a person does that, that's called tshuva me'ahava. You hear this? This is what the Gemara is saying, tshuva out of love, where Hashem is so impressed with the person. He says, your sins, when you say sin damages, but Hashem is unlimited. What could cause damage to him? It's true. But when a person goes with the sin and makes a big thing out of it, or doesn't wake up and he turns and becomes even worse, then the sin causes damage. Hashem says, okay, you drew the line. But when a person did even the worst possible things and he wants to come back and he believes that the good is stronger than the bad and he makes a fresh start as if nothing happened, Hashem says, I'm impressed. You are a real warrior. You're the better warrior than the guy who's like, I'm not going to get anywhere. The person now is able to take the negative and use it to start again. Hashem says, wow, that's big stuff. I'm going to take your sins. I'm not going to just not look at them. I'm going to turn them into merits because that's what built you. What built you was the sin. So Hashem's also impressed with the sin. So I'm going to turn it into a zchuyot. Unbelievable. You hear this? It's unbelievable. All right. Uh, the Rav is here uh, to marry off his daughter, Bezrat Hashem, to collect some funds. Recording. So it's a big mitzvah to participate.